from the Jesuits of Canada and the United States, this is AMDG, and I'm Eric Clayton. Many weeks ago, I visited a coastal town in Kenya called Malindi, and the Jesuit community that lives there. It's a new-ish community, only about five or so years old, and it's been tasked with carrying out the legacy of St. Francis Xavier, who visited that very place many, many years ago. Xavier, uh, that great Jesuit missionary, spent only a few days on that shore. But while there, he engaged in interreligious dialogue, meeting with and learning from the local Muslim communities. The Bishop of Malindi has asked the Jesuits of today to return and continue that work. Father Thomas Aquino Deshi Ramadani, or just Deshi for short, is the Jesuit who has been tasked with leading these efforts. Originally from Indonesia, he's accustomed to building community with Muslims and those of other faiths. He's also a writer, an author of many books, and a retreat director. When I was with him, he was preparing to give a retreat on the Enneagram and Ignatian spirituality. Our conversation is very rich. We, we touch on, of course, interreligious dialogue and why Deshi prefers to call it interspiritual trialogue. And we talk about how the Enneagram influences the writing life. Deshi dives deep into his own spiritual journey and shares with us countless nuggets of spiritual wisdom. But one thing that I think is worth highlighting is that the fruits of this conversation reflect the nature of our global Catholic faith. An Indonesian and an American meeting in Kenya and bound together by the Ignatian tradition and our desire to live out the gospel. One more thing, we've produced a number of videos from our time on the African continent. I'll link to them in the notes so that you can see, as well as hear, the realities in Malindi. I'll also share links to Deshi's many books. Now, here's Father Deshi. Father Deshi Ramadani, welcome to AMDG. We're so glad you're joining us today from rainy Kenya. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. I'm glad to be here. It's uh, my privilege to be here. Thank you. Yeah, it's fun that uh, I'm so excited we get to talk to you. Uh, you and I met obviously um, uh, several weeks ago now when when I was uh, in uh, in your parish in in the Jesuit community there in in Malindi. But I'd like to um, to provide listeners a little bit of that context, and so maybe you could um, start our conversation by just talking a little bit about your current mission to Kenya, to the, the t- coastal town of Malindi. Uh, what does that mean? What are you doing there? What are you hoping to accomplish? Um, and how how does it fit into the wider um, story of your of your Jesuit life? Uh, yes, uh, thank you. Uh, first of all, I need to to make it clear that I'm I'm new. I'm new in Kenya. I'm new in in this province, East Africa province. I'm new in in Malindi. So. So overall, it's, that's 18 months maybe in, in Kenya and just six months here in Malindi. So, so my, my knowledge is, is very limited to, to these, these past uh, 18 months or so. And Malindi is, is, is always important for, for the history of, of at least uh, for, for the Society of Jesus, for the Jesuits, and also for, for the Jesuits in, in, in Kenya, in East Africa, because um like at one point in 1542 <laughs> imagine that uh, Francis Xavier uh, came to to Malindi and on his way to the far east and 
he he was here only for a short time. Some people, based on the historical records, would say he was here only for two or three days. And so he came here, stopped by because he had to to bury some of of the sailors on board his his ship to to the far east. So. So that's the only time we we know that a Jesuit came to the shore way 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 before we we ever um, uh, we we started the, the province here in this land. So so that that one on, on that point, at, I think Malindi is always important. And for us Jesuits, um, we have been thinking of of going to the coast area, to the coastal area, in in especially in Kenya, because our works have been centralized in Nairobi area so we have several places there but but not outside Nairobi so so we were invited by by the bishop at one point who 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 visualized uh, the presence of the Jesuits for for two basic reasons one is of course because Francis Xavier was here so it would only make sense that the Jesuits would also be present here and work here in in the coastal area but uh, that's the one reason. And the second reason was, was very specific. Uh, the first bishop of Malindi, Bishop um, Francis Baldacchino, wanted the, that the Jesuit would, would do something in the area of interreligious dialogue. And given the, the presence of, of, of our Muslim, and brothers, Muslim brothers and sisters here in the coastal area. And, and so that's, that's the idea. And... So that for us, uh, for me personally, also uh, coming to Malindi is is kind of of the taking part in this uh, new beginning of the I would say the return of the Jesuit after Saint Saint Francis Xavier. So it's a really a privilege to be part of this new dream, new new chapter of the Jesuits in 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 Kenya and in the Eastern Africa province in general. So my assignment is is actually very very straightforward and also simple in that sense because I I I am been asked by the professional only just to use my imagination on on what we can do as Jesuits something that is uh, different something that is new because um, in the area of interreligious dialogue, especially with, with Islam, with our Muslim brothers and sisters in the area, many things have been done on the, uh, by, the, by the diocese, by, by all kinds of groups. So my, my assignment is just to be here, look around, listen to people, try to, to, to make friendship with, with people around here, and, and, and imagine what... what what we can do in, in terms of our contribution. So, th- so that's, 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 that's basically what we do here. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and, and I know you've, you've used a really powerful image from Sister Joan Chittister, uh, that of a finger pointing at the moon when you're describing or thinking about the potential and the pitfalls, right, for interreligious dialogue. So I yes. wonder if, if you yes. can tell us a little bit about why this image is helpful to you, particularly as you are really at the, at the beginning stages of this work in this right. new place um, yes. uh, for the Jesuits. Yes, um, yeah, I read I read one of the books of Sister Joanne Chittister maybe more than ten, ten years ago, and the first time I read it, that line, that particular phrase, really struck me, and it's never left. It's it's just there. It's just basically see, 
as he wrote that religion is a finger pointing at the moon. And the idea is um, the purpose is to enjoy the moon, the vision of the moon. Look at the moon. And, and of course, we need uh, someone or some people who would uh, point uh, to us where the, the moon is and how to look at the moon. But, but that idea is really, really helpful for me because it helps me to understand that in many, many cases, I think uh, in terms of, of religious, uh, interreligious dialogue, I think we, we focus too much on, on the finger. <laughs> we even fight among ourselves on, on how the position, what the position of the finger, the angle, and the direction, you know, all, all those kind of, 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 of um, things that are not essential because, because the idea is to, that, that religion, in this case, the, the finger who, who is, uh, that is pointing to the moon has as the, the, the purpose is to help us to relink, to, to reconnect with, with God, with the divine. And in this metaphor, in this image, is the moon, you know, and 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 so that's 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 that that that's the thing that I believe should should be our our focus in in any 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 interaction with with our brothers and sisters from from different religions that that we should never lose the focus on God because because that's that's the thing and and of course, as Sister Joanne Chittister does not talk about about interreligious dialogue per se. Because her, her point is to show that, that it is spirituality that, that can transform people. Because religion helps. Religion helps to, 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 to show us where the moon is and how we need to look at the moon in that sense. How we need to, to, to look at God and, and focus on, on that, the right direction, just to see God at one point. But, and once we see God and we experience God and we, we, we live our life in a new way, we are transformed by that experience. That, that's the area of spirituality. So, so that's, that's how I understood the image of, of, from, from Sister Joanne. Uh, it's very helpful that, that uh, yeah, I, I want, I want, I want to, to, to use this as, as, as I start using my imagination in this new, new assignment here. So that's 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 what I think helpful. Yeah, no, I I love that, and I you provided so so kindly these beautiful essays on on um, some of the topics we're talking through today, um, and, and I I had not heard that that image of the of the moon, but I, I thought it was really really helpful, really beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I want to I want to read briefly something that you wrote in one of these essays, and then ask you to comment. You write, "quote Spirituality is about the enjoyment of the moon. Spirituality focuses on our personal experience of God." If religion leads us only to itself, religion has failed to do its main job, namely to relink us to God, to reconnect us with the divine, end quote. So I want you to comment a little bit more about how, how you see religion and spirituality interconnected when we're talking about interreligious dialogue. Because religion and, and spirituality both are important. You're not, you're not right, knocking right. You know, one yes. out, of the, out of the running as important. Yes. Um, but I think helping, us, uh, helping listeners to really um, uh, contextualize for themselves in their own lives mm-hmm. how these two pieces fit together um, be really helpful. So, so please, uh, any reflections you can yes, share? Yes, yes. One of the things that, that really strike, that's striking, uh, really striking for me is, is just look at the statistics, you know. Uh, in the whole world, 
most people they they have religion, so they 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 embrace a certain religion, organized religions, institutions, institutionalized religion, so whatever. So, so that in itself should should if if religion really really do 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 its job to 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 reconnect us with with the divine, with the God, with God we we worship, and that really really give us uh, that room of experiencing God in a very personal and deep and intimate way. Our lives will be transformed. We will be transformed into, into at least better, better people day by day. And uh, by by our practice, by practicing religion, we would become better person. But the fact is, is is that's not the fact. You know, regardless of the many people who embrace religions, practicing religions, not that many people who are really really good. And uh, so that that should should make us think that maybe there is some some disconnection. So we are busy practicing our religions, but but we don't really uh, give room more intentionally to to that experience of God because the, it, I, I, it it is our experience of God that that will transform us. So so, but but I my my only reference uh, is in in my own family in my. Uh, uh, experience with my father, who was a Muslim, and so I grew up in a family that made by the Muslim father and uh, a Catholic mother, and also my my siblings they are Catholics. But uh, my parents got married in the Catholic Church, and my my dad, my father, he was the one who who who, t- who took care of our at uh, ed- Catholic basic education. So he brought us to all this, you know, first communion, confirmation, and and all the way to my brothers and my sister's marriage and, and, and my ordination. So he was there. So that's, that's how I understand um, that, that together in, in, in the family, we, we experience God. We experience God. We, we, he, he, in his own way, trying to practice his, his faith, his religion as a Muslim, as a, a devout Muslim, and the rest of the family, we... We, we are trying to to practice and and we don't talk much about religions some every now and then we we, we ask questions about why you do this thing and why why you don't do that but but I think quite early we learned that 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 kind of 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 asking questions would will would lead us nowhere you know and so what I learned is again talking about religion and spirituality, what I learned is in that context of respect, in that context of respect that, that we are different and we believe in, in we, we take our different paths to, to God, but it is the, the experience of God together that we, 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 we cherish, you know, and, and for me, it's, it's always, uh, I, I have, I, I believe I have, I have my spiritual experience even, even, when when I was with with my Muslim brothers and sisters, they they were praying and I was just there, present. But I I I, I should say that I, I experienced God in in that context. And I believe my my father, at least in in my family, he he also experienced God when he 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 went with us to the church and so so that that kind of of thing and um and um. That's 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 how we understand. That's how I understand spirituality in terms of of living uh, your our life as as a good people, good persons.
because we experience God together. So, so beyond, beyond words that, that can that try to explain the, our religion, the difference and between us, but we experience some the, the one and the same God. You know, that's, that's, that's how I understand spirituality, basically. And it goes deeper and beyond the religions. Yeah, no, th- thank you. I, I want to I read a little bit uh, again from something you wrote um, that I think this p- provides a beautiful scene of exactly what you, you were just describing um, about your, your family growing up and, and growing up in Indonesia, right? Um, you wrote, uh, uh, quote, During Ramadan, all of us would get up early just to be with him, your father, to prepare his fasting day. At lunchtime, he would come to be with us. He was at table with us without taking anything. At sunset, we had the iftar together. No talk about religion, just a series of table fellowships where deep down, without knowing it, we experienced the presence of the, quote, transcendent third. Hence, in my father's house, we all learned to enjoy together looking at the moon without making a fuss on how our finger must point to that moon, end quote. Yeah. I think it's just such a, a beautiful image. And I wonder, um, maybe, maybe before you comment on how, how we can, I'm, I'm curious about how we can kind of create families and communities and spaces like this in our in our own mm-hmm. lives but there's a term in there that i think we should define first and that is the, the term transcendent third so maybe you can first talk to um what what does that mean what does a transcendent third mean and why is it important to interreligious dialogue ah uh, yeah thank you that's that's also something new that that i learned uh, as i was trying to imagine what we can do here in the area of interreligious dialogue so so I, I learned this from, from one of the um, of Bishop Barron's sermons on YouTube. It was on the Feast of Visitation of Mary to Elizabeth. And then it was uh, trying to explain what happened in that kind of encounter between Mary and Elizabeth. Bishop Barron's mentioned uh, about the the idea that come from, from Aristotle. And I think the, the context is is basically in in any good friendship in any good relationship that lasts um there is something more than than only the two people involved in that friendship and in that relationship there 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 is always what 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 is called the transcendent third that is the third party that is transcendent you know but it is this transcendent third that 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 gives the energy, gives the 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 desire, gives the the even the vision to to carry together the the friendship and and the relationship. So the again in any relationship, any friendship that lasts, there is always this aspect of the transcendent third, and that's that's what Bishop Barron. Uh, uh, said in, in, in his sermon. And when I heard about this, that, that's, a, that's a very, very nice idea. And I was, I was exercising on the treadmill that day, that afternoon. But then I said, this is something that, 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 that also speaks for me when I think about the, the context of interreligious dialogue, you know? And, and so, so interestingly also that, that Bishop, Bishop Barron also, also speaks uh, said something about he, he mentioned about the transcendent third because he wanted to show that that both Mary and Elizabeth they they have been liberated by the so-called uh, the trap of the ego drama so they were no longer trapped in 
and uh, what in their their own agenda of of, of self, their own uh, selfishness, but they 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 move to to what they call the 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 theodrama. The theodrama is something that that's a drama of God. So. So that that's the the idea of the transcendent third, and so 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 the encounter of Mary and Elizabeth became the icon of this the transcendent third, and also for me, it helps me to uh, to imagine the the context of interreligious dialogue in terms of 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 being in being intentional, being intentional to 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 create that 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 sacred room where where the transcendent ter- third can be really, really also part of, of, of the relationship. So in that in the context of of dialogue, I think uh, we need to it's not just me and let's say my my friend who is Muslim and we want to talk together, we, we want to do something together, but we we need to be aware that God is 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 always in the picture. So so that it is God, it is this transcendent third who who would guarantee the the, how how the relationship will 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 grow and will and will last, so that's that's how how the the idea of transcendent third is is very very powerful. Thank you for that um, really helpful explanation of of transcendent third. You know, and, and I think in in your thinking, you've been proposing uh, really that we're we're using a lot of uh, the wrong words when it comes to interreligious dialogue, and. Um, you propose this idea of, of interspiritual trialogue, which I really I'm excited for you to unpack. But just uh, just to, for the for the listeners, you write uh, quote the operating mantra is not tell me about your religion and I will tell you about mine. It is instead tell me about your spiritual experience of God and I will tell you about mine. And let's listen together to this one and the same God we both have experienced. End quote. So tell me, how does that work in practice? I've been struggling with the terminology interreligious dialogue, and uh, I always think of it as in terms of interspiritual trialogue. Uh, first, because uh, I like the idea of spirituality uh, and religion, but I think in this context we need to be more more intentional to in creating rooms for for spirituality and it, that that means for for the experience of God in in each one of us regardless the the different backgrounds of, of our religions so that's why I I, I think interspiritual catch could catch a better the the image of of we are we are not focusing on on understanding and learning about other religions, but we we open our our hearts, our our mind, our being to to that experience of God that that my brothers and my sisters from different religions uh, have have to share. You know why? So so that that's the interspiritual and uh, trialogue because I just I just like the 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 this idea of the transcendent third because. Um, Dialogue could could limit the the perception. It is only between two parties, and whether trialogue is is, I think, is is more explicit in in, in reminding me 
to to create that that space for for the transcendent third to to let God also always be part uh, always in the picture. So that's that's what I think. Why 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 for me personally, I I'm working on 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 with using this this different uh, this inter spiritual dialogue rather than interreligious dialogue. You point to two specific spiritual tools as uh, as leaping off points for interspiritual trialogue, uh, the Psalms and the Enneagram. So I'm wondering if, if you might talk a little bit about each and why you find them useful in this particular kind of work. Well, um, regarding this interspiritual trialogue and using Psalms and Enneagram, I must confess this is something that I am just at the very uh, initial stage of, of developing it. So what I, what I can share with you in this, uh, at, at this moment is just uh, my ideas. And let's start with, with the Enneagram. And Enneagram, the, the nine type uh, personality is a tool and um, this is a tool that, that shows us how, how the nine types of personality perceive the outer uh, reality. And Enneagram also shows that each type has been given a gift to incarnate God, to, to, to represent God's presence and God's uh, specific aspect. And some, some Enneagram teachers even want to call this the, the nine faces of God. And um, I think we, 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 we can see that most of us have developed our own survival strategy that it has been operating on autopilot. Well, of course, at one point it was helpful, but over time we have become very good in reacting to the outer reality and using that strategy in such a way that we are not really responding to to that reality and so the way i understand enneagram is that enneagram invites me to unlearn my automatic way of reacting and learn better ways of of responding and um, another way to say it is Enneagram leads me from away from the trap of the false self and leads me leads me back home to the inner freedom that is already available when I return to my my true self so um, that's that's the journey from back home from from my false self to my true self. Now, if if we look at the history, interestingly, uh, yeah, Enneagram teachers would would mention somehow that at one point of the history, it it it's believed that the Enneagram was uh, uh, developed by by the Sufi. Or I would say that were, was um, passed on orally among the Sufis because they they believe this this would be 
a, a tool that would help people to to continue and to grow spiritually spiritually and and to go in that in that direction of spiritual growth and uh, as we also know the Sufis have uh, they they have developed uh, the 99 names of Allah and for me that is always inspiring the practice of reciting the 99 names of Allah and using the beads like we Catholics uh, use the the rosary so so but um, Enneagram some Enneagram teachers uh, have even linked these 99 names of Allah to the nine types of personality in the Enneagram so so each type is invited to make uh, pr present certain aspect of these 99 aspects of God so so that's that's briefly about about why I think Enneagram would open a door for this uh, idea of doing inter-spiritual trialogue. Now about the Psalms, um, what I like about the Psalms is Psalms give us access to all kinds of how we humans experience God or uh, better experience both the presence and the absence of God. And the Psalms uh, lent us words to address God in radical honesty. Sometimes even we feel it they are being too honest, way, way, way too honest that it feels too much for our modern standard of today. And but the psalm always places God as the focus. Nothing in our experience is too 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 much. Uh, to be brought to God and even you you can find in the Psalms that that even if we accuse God or question question God of not doing God's job well for us and for our world so it is okay to be that honest to God so that's that's what what I I learned from the Psalms and Psalms speak for us so in that sense we 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 our experiences are represented in these honest expressions in the Psalms. And, and all the more, uh, there are evidence that in the past, some Psalms were translated into Arabic and used by our Muslim brothers and sisters. And there is also this dimension of musical musicality that I, as you know music is universal language and with its musicality i think the the psalms can open doors to to share with other people um, a common language of humanity again since music is a universal language that can go beyond the borders of of religions I know the Enneagram has given you uh, insight into your own life, and particularly your, your own life as a writer. You write, quote, When a four writes, the writing will have a lot of autobiographical touch. It has to do with four's love for authenticity, uniqueness, and depth. I guess I love writing because it is also my personal celebration of being a four, end quote. 
I, I love as a writer myself. I love I love that that that, that speaks uh, to my own experience of writing, even though uh, I am definitely a one. But I wonder if you might unpack that a bit for uh, for our listeners. What does it mean for you to be a four, and how do you make meaning for yourself through your writing? Well, uh, thank you for for bringing this up. And yes, yes, you, you're right, Eric. And Enneagram has been helpful for me as as a writer. And so let me just say this. And in, I think as you, I was I can say that in the language of the Enneagram, a four or type four uh, wants to be unique and different they want to be special and um, uh, being ordinary like most people is a big no for for a four and a, a four or a type four um, feels very comfortable and perhaps even way 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 too too comfortable with the whole range of emotions and feelings that 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 uh, a four enjoys the depth of reality so so i like going deep 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 and and in that process to also create something new or different or unique you know as as you know a four wants to be unique and and different and so in in my own experience in my um, encounter and journey with with Enneagram and also related to the writing um, I think I can say that for a four um, writing has become my way to celebrate my fourness if you may say that um, my being four because it is in my writing and through my writing that that I can go really really deep and and find meaning and play with words use the metaphor and uh, words of analogy and of symbols and and in the process, uh, I create something new. Again, new is not just new for a four. This newness must also be unique and and special and different. And however, however, <laughs> uh, um, an unhealthy four. Yeah, okay. If if I am in that situation when I'm not really healthy as a four. Um, I can be uh, very, very, you know, I can have that, that mood, mood swing. And they, they, they say four is notorious uh, for his or her moodiness and melancholy and all those uh, deal with feelings and emotions. And for me, for me, as a four, writing helps me not to be carried away by my all by these all these these emotions all this mood swing because i this is writing is my way of 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 stopping that that that's that 
deadly uh, what do you call this uh, move uh, going too much uh, too far to the death and and being defined uh, by by my feelings and uh, Enneagram has encouraged me to uh, befriend all my emotions of course and and even use all these raw emotions again as a four a four has access to all these emotions but for me even I, I think for four is even even very obvious and for me as as a writer any writer can can attest that raw raw emotions are always uh, the best possible materials for for writing and and so there is a lot there so as a result i can reach out to people who experience similar turmoils or or similar strong emotions in their life journey and in this process of reaching out of addressing of 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 lending words that they 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 with 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 which they 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 might be able to relate, I can offer meaning and understanding, and and that's 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 how I understand my contribution through writing as a four. In Ignatian spirituality, we are invited to uh, embrace rejection, which is which is hard and unpleasant, right? But the writing life, or any really any creative pursuit, gives us ample space to practice uh, this this call to rejection. So, can you tell us a little bit about how your writing uh, and your you know inevitable moments of rejection has uh, have fed and fueled your own spiritual growth? Well, um, rejection, yes, uh, rejection is. It's not a good word uh, in in a way, and uh, because uh, it always comes with with pain. And rejection is is always painful. And uh, but but I've learned to to believe that and that one of the best teachers in the life of a writer is the experience of rejection. You know when when your manuscript or your even your you submit something and and it was rejected by by the publisher sometimes even you you know the the it's always inspire, inspiring to to read the stories of great authors accomplished authors how how they 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 went through experiences of rejection and sometimes they 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 received uh, bad comments from publishers uh, who 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 looked down on, on them. And but now they they are who they are now: great authors and great writers, accomplished authors. And but 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 it is the experience of rejection that I believe has made a writer a better writer because uh, it. Somehow it, it helps a writer to 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 write um, uh, to look at reality from a different angle and to not give up and to listen to the stories within, but also to listen to the stories out there that that are waiting to be written only by the writer. 
and but 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 from the perspective of the Ignatian spirituality, it is also uh, important um, because, as you know, in a spiritual Ignatian spirituality, um, wants us to 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 find God in in all things, in in all things, in in all people, anywhere, everywhere. Um, anytime we we need to find God. So in that sense, when 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 we experience rejection, which is a no, and this no, uh, from the point of view of Ignatian spirituality or from the point of view of Ignatian Ignatian uh, discernment, that that means a lot, you know, because rejection. Uh, speaks about a way, a special way that this is not God's will yet, at least at this time, at this moment. So, so in in the process of discernment, we we need to pay attention to these inner movements, uh, consolation, desolation, the inner stirrings that 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 represent the work of the good spirit and the bad spirit, and in this process, we find God's will. But rejection. Either by by a publisher or by by uh, by uh, my own superior or or provincial or or even the general, uh, for us Jesuits, you know, it is always something that 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 sh- sh- shows us this is not God's will, and so in that sense, rejection in that sense, rejection is a great great gift from God because rejection. Teaches me to honor and to accept God's timing, but also it helps me to see things differently and to trust that this rejection is a necessary element, a necessary, an important ingredient even in my journey of, of always finding finding God's will. So if you look at the life of Saint Ignatius, I think rejection played. A big deal, you know. He he was dreaming to to work and to spend the rest of his life in in the Holy Land, but he was rejected, literally rejected. And but that rejection opened his eyes to to see things differently and to find God's will for for his life. So he he went back to school. He studied. Um, and in the process, uh, he 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 inspired some some friends to become what we may call the first companions. But even then, you know, with his first companions, they all were dreaming to to go to the Holy Land, but nature rejected them, or situation rejected them, or war political conflicts tensions you name it everything was rejecting their idea and it is because of their experience of rejection that they 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 eventually offered themselves to the pope for for the sake of the mission and and uh, it because of these rejections all these rejections eventually led to the birth of, of the jesuits and so Yes, it is painful. Yes, 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 it can be very depressing. But I believe we can always look back one day to these experiences of rejection and be grateful to God because rejection is a great gift from God. So 
you know, as you think about your current mission, your current work in Melindi, uh, what do you think the global church can learn from what you're seeing and experiencing each day? Thank you um, for this question. Um, as I said, I'm I'm new. I'm I'm I always uh, remind myself that I am learning how to be a missionary in in the mission land. Even for us Jesuits, this is a new mission, a new territory that 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 is at the very beginnings, uh, it, at its its initial stage. Now, uh, one thing one thing I I I have learned from this uh, short time of doing this mission. The first thing is I have become convinced that God is at work. God has been working through many people long before me and that the seeds of faith have been planted in in this coastal region of Kenya. And so it is it is it is very very encouraging to see how how God has been working all through and uh, so my job is just to be grateful I think to be grateful and to to make sure that that all these good seeds that have been planted by by many people before me with their good will um, I will not crush this these seeds uh, so I will take care of these to, to so that they will continue to grow that's the first point to experience how God uh, never uh, God never slumbers. God is always at work, and um, all we are asked to 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 do is just to to continue to work with God. And I think it's also an invitation for all of us to see God work, how God works behind all this, um, and not to take not, not to steal the the stage. To be on the spotlight as if I am the one who, who is doing all this. No, no, it is God, and 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 through many many people before me. And the second time, uh, the second point is, I think uh, related to that. Um, as you know, this is the, this is a new mission, and I'm dealing with people whose faith are are very very young. Uh, they, they 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 have these people with they have very very young faith. And but but there is this element of holy desire, and I I I need to make sure that I, I I don't kill this holy desire, even though it requires a lot of patience, a lot of work to teach these people on how to do things properly at least, and how how to share with them what the church teaches, in in many areas of our faith. But I want to see this holy desire in 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 them and and the story of the two disciples going to Emmaus is always an inspiration in this regard because i believe that these two disciples they they did not understand everything that jesus had explained to them along the way but one thing they knew that their heart was burning and so i think we 
I remind it myself, but also we as church, I think sometimes we forget that that important aspect. Sometimes we we get busy with with so many plans, so many things, so many big big ideas, and we forget to to give that space uh, to to create uh, to do something that will give this experience of people in in people's life that that they will experience how their hearts are burning how 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 they experience that fire in them and, and it's like the two disciples because of this fire they went back they have new energy back to Jerusalem and 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 share the goodness of the risen lord so the i think i understand my, myself also to, to just to do my part in such a way that their heart will will continue to burn with 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 this fire, divine fire from God. And uh, last thing I want to share is I think I understand my job is here is to to encourage the people to cultivate new dreams. You know, in in this place, somehow forgotten. <laughs> Yeah, but but education is still a challenge, and so cultivating new dreams um, beyond the usual pattern of life, beyond the 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 culturally accepted uh, ideas of plans, but cultivating new dreams. I think also God, God is always gods of new dreams, gods of big dreams. So, so that's. Um, that's what I've been seeing and experiencing day after day after day here, but that that's also what I hope that we together can can also do to help people grow in their spiritual journey in this faith. Deshi, thank you so much for uh, being with us today uh, and for sharing all these great insights and, and, and nuggets of wisdom. Um, I will uh, I'll share links to your books in our in the notes. Uh, and uh, we hope you'll come back and uh, talk with us again. Thank you. Thank you very much, Eric. It, it's great to, to do this, and I hope it will become a blessing for many people. Thank you. God bless. AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States and recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C. This episode was edited by me, Eric Clayton. Our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference Communications team is Mike Lasky, Marcus Bleach, Megan Leapsch, Becky Sindelar, Kristen Smith, and me, Eric Clayton. Connect with the Jesuits at Jesuits.org and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Get our weekly email reflection series, now discern this, by visiting Jesuits.org weekly. If you or someone you know would like to learn more about becoming a Jesuit or Jesuit life in general, connect with your local vocation promoter at BeAJesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at Jesuits.org. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And finally, as St. Ignatius may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire.